1: Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. Today is Tuesday, uh, January 14, 2020, for those of you listening to the show 100 years from now. And uh, today is the Blueprint Power Hour, which we're going to start in just a moment. But before we do that, I have to mention something that I've failed to mention in past shows this year. Uh, Legendary Foods is signed on to be the title sponsor of Superhuman Radio. The title sponsor carries a great financial load that makes this show possible, keeps the show afloat as other sponsors uh, trail in and trail out. January 24th, in just 10 days, Legendary Foods is going to set the world on fire with a new food product that they're going to introduce. Keep in mind that uh, the two people driving Legendary Foods uh, are Shannon Yorton Penna, who is the brain child of the quest bar that took and, and, and her her husband Ron Penna, uh, those two people, obviously with a team of people behind them, but the genesis of quest nutrition began with in, in, in Shannon's kitchen. Uh, and they're gonna do this again. Uh, when you see what legendary food is, foods is introducing, January 24th, you are going to be so excited uh, because snacking is going to become guilt-free once again. And on that note... Calling all Blueprint Army. Fall in line. It's time for the Blueprint Power Hour with Coach Rob Regish on the Superhuman
0: Radio Network.
1: Hey, Rob, how you doing?
0: Good, man. I tell you, guilt-free snacking sounds good to me.
1: You know, Shannon Penna um, loves to cook, but she loves to take things that taste amazing that you want to binge eat uh, and make them actually healthy to binge eat. And she's amazing. And then Ron Penna, I I can't uh, pay him enough credit. The guy is, he's a genius, not just uh, in business but just as a person uh he's an amazing individual two 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 super people uh joined together uh it, it's it's an unbeatable team they really
0: are how yeah, you doing man a, i'm doing great i had a uh, a great workout yesterday the last heavy one of my loading pattern before i deload and max out uh but that went well and uh you know what can i say i'm i'm healthy and happy right 50 years old so <laughs> could be doing a lot worse.
1: So you and I were talking off the air.
0: Uh-oh, feedback.
1: Uh, you and I were talking off the air. Uh, I have really got my sleep dialed in. And we were talking about how this journey of physical culture, where, where it's performance is so important that you're willing to make sure your sleep works, your diet works, your supplementation works, your training works, and you get to a point where you feel... So amazing. So amazing. You feel so strong, so energetic, so mentally prepared, so 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 excited about life. Right. And and that and that when things go wrong, like in 2018, two foot surgeries totally derailed any serious training for me. You know what it feels like to feel amazing. And you and you can't wait to get back there. And actually I'm getting back there right now. I can feel it. And the truth of the matter is 90% of the population never know what it feels like to feel that way. So they have no reference uh, of, of what it feels like to just have everything like all the all the planets line up body is just functioning a thousand percent. Isn't
0: that sad? Yeah, it is sad but um, you know as, as physical culturists, we have a, a gut check right and that's the gym. And so where most people might be able to, to be in a chronic sleep deficit and drag themselves through a day of work, um, if you get to, when you get to the gym and you're in a chronic sleep deficit, you are not going to outperform the last time that you were in there, which is the whole reason you go anyway. And consequently, we have a population that thinks that feeling this way is normal, and it's not. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's actually very sad. It's at the root of a lot of the uh, illness that we see uh, in this country, too. But anyway, I digress. So your training is going good. That's exciting. Anything exciting yep. over at CoachRobRegish.com?
0: Yep. We're going to have – uh is going to be shipping next week, I am told. So round about the middle of next week, if you have your Synthogen order in, it will be going out the door. First come, first served. And it has been a long wait four plus months.
1: I know. I I see people commenting about that. They're waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it. I I know. I I see that.
0: It's unfortunate, but it's, it's on the way. There was a call made to the lab yesterday just to confirm the timing. So, uh Hey, you know what? If, if you're in line, look for your bottle soon. Couldn't
1: you just put green tea extract in there? Nobody would have known. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, they would know, all right, when they use it.
1: <laughs> all right, so let's start off with the first question. It comes from Dan Zapansky. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Dan. Uh, Dan says, let me get back here. I'm sorry. I really think what's missing in my personal case are higher IGF-1 levels. So I've been looking... At GH Releasers, my first stop was MK-677, but that stuff put almost 10 pounds of water weight on me. Yeah. I've also heard arginine works, so I started researching that and other amino acids, finally finding a product called Secretagog 1 Gold. Can you tell me if it works uh, and whether effervescent delivery really makes a big difference? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, those those, uh, those burps that you let out afterwards are what <laughs> triggers a growth hormone release.
0: <laughs> um, well, for, I would tell you first and foremost, if you think IGF-1 levels are your rate limiting problem, which I really doubt they are, but if that's what you think, then the first step in my mind is to get a blood test form, right? Because you, you need to know where you stand. Personally, I doubt the absence of any. Just one hormone can make that much of a difference. Now, yes, things like testosterone replacement therapy make a big difference for guys. But still, if you're talking about, you know, optimizing muscle gain and fat loss, it's never just about one hormone. It's about all of them working in concert with each other. And so when you hear here are people, you know, hearkening back to their youth and saying to themselves, my God, I can't believe how good I used to feel, how fast I would recover from, you know, training or injuries. What they're talking about was that hormonal symphony of all of your hormones, okay? And and there are a lot of people still looking for the fountain of youth. It hasn't happened yet, and I rather doubt today's supplements are going to do that for you. But Let's talk about this Secretagog 1 product because I do see it advertised heavily uh, all over the net. So as I look at it, um, the main ingredients in terms of boosting GH seem to be a a 5.5-gram prop blend of the following. Glycine, which we've discussed before, glutamine, GABA, and alpha-GPC, amongst a few other things in there. And while all of those have been shown to result, in more GH relief, um, none of them elevate it around the clock and therefore their impact is going to be minimal, at least for what you know, you're know you looking for.
1: Well, well Rob, and, let, let, let's, and I know you and I are on the same page with what I'm about to say, yep. but a lot of these growth hormone releasing products that claim to raise your growth hormone 100%, when you're producing virtually no growth hormone or so little growth hormone, raising it 100%, doubling it is virtually meaningless. If you think you're yeah. going to get uh, from an oral supplement what you would get from either frank growth hormone injections or injecting real peptides that raise growth hormone, you're mistaken.
0: Yeah, and when it comes to these amino's that I just mentioned, um, you you need multiple grams of each <laughs> to see any any any. GH release that was seen in the studies now if so, G, if GH
1: is uh, equivalent to diarrhea then they definitely raise growth hormone <laughs> <home> dramatically <laughs> because yeah, they will create cre- they will keep you very close to the house after you take them
0: yeah thank you for reminding me of that because <laughs> if you use effective amounts like let's say oh you know the conversation starts in terms of glycine at about 10 grams. You better keep the charmin handy, or at least you know start with two grams and go up gradually.
1: Okay? And, ar- and arginine is another one, right? What do you have? Don't you have to take ten grams of arginine in order to have the uh, the the uh, uh, effect on somatostatin that you're looking for?
0: At least, and at that least. And, and
1: and, and that that'll keep you home for an hour or two, crapping.
0: And. and- I don't know if you've ever tried it, but arginine is one of the most bitter yeah. substances. Tastes, on, tastes
1: on, horrible on, yeah.
0: on earth. So you know the aminos and, and the other things that are in here that purport to elevate GH are not in there in the levels that do it even transiently. So uh, we get to effervescent delivery now. <laughs> this came about several years ago, uh, and I think it was first used in conjunction with creatine. And while it is true that you know it, it can cause the stomach to dump its contents in the duodenum um, faster, there's nothing related to that that points to, to greater GH release. I think it might be a product differentiator because you get to see the little fizz in the in your cup, I guess. Um, but you know, it, it's a gimmick. It's a gimmick. So, so here's what I would tell you. If you are going to use one of these natural options, one of these amino acids, in lieu of something like MK677, real growth hormone, I have long told people to pick either GABA or glycine and dose that appropriately at bedtime, uh, ideally on an empty stomach. Now, yes, there is research that both of those do elevate growth hormone, in GABA's case, four to 500%. Um, whether you're exercising or not, or before sleep. But that's not why I recommend them. I recommend them because both of those amino acids also have studies and a whole heap of anecdotal evidence showing deeper sleep, deeper and better sleep. And sleep, as we discussed uh, earlier, Carl, you and I, is when your body repairs itself, The muscles grow larger and stronger. The fat loss happens. Your batteries are recharged. Simply sleeping better will lead to a more productive cascade of all of those hormones that I mentioned that are necessary to maximize training adaptations, right? Building more muscle and and burning more fat. So here's the bottom line. I would stick with the two amino acids that I mentioned, unlike the others, Glycine is actually sweet, and GABA has virtually no taste. I would um, use the glycine. I would build up slowly to 10 grams. Uh, And as far as the GABA goes, I would start at 2 grams and and maybe work up to 5 at the most. They are economical. They are effective for much deeper and better sleep. And you, you certainly don't need effervescent delivery with either one of them.
1: The whole purpose for effervescence, supposedly is it neutralizes stomach acid, uh, but the reality is that amino acids go right through the lining of the stomach and into the bloodstream. They're not especially, affected. They're yeah. not affected by the uh, the acidity of the of the gut. So, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: I was going to say, especially isolated amino acids. Yeah, that
1: fast, they go right into the bloodstream. But but yeah. but if if you're really serious. If you're really serious about raising growth hormone, go to this website, peptidesciences.com. If you've never bought from them before, use the code SHR and you'll save 10% off your first order. And order the CJC plus GHRP6 combined in one vial. Add four milliliters of bacteriostatic water or sterile water for injection to that. Got to refrigerate it after that. Before you add water to it, you can keep it in the freezer for up to two years. It'll stay good. And then get an insulin insulin syringe and pull it back just to the 10-unit mark and inject that three times a day, first thing in the morning, sometime in between a meal in the afternoon, and about a half hour before bedtime. And you will produce the growth hormone that you did when you were 16 years old three times a day. And if you do that consistently, if you really do that consistently and give it about three months, you go, oh, God, three months. Dude, three months is what it takes to see the changes in gr- from growth hormone, even if you're injecting Frank growth hormone. You'll, you'll feel right. and start to notice things in two weeks. But in three months, you'll be leaner. You will have more muscle. You'll be sleeping better. You'll feel better. Your hair will grow faster. Your nails will grow faster. If you do that then you are actually taking a truly pharmacological approach to raising growth hormone that you're never going to see on a commercial on TV. You're never going to, you know, Sarah vital. You're never going to see it in a, in a magazine. You're never going to see it anywhere because why? Because it really, really works. So
0: yeah, it's great. stuff. That's, that's the, that's the thing. Things.
1: I do it. I do it three times a day. I'm 61 wow. years old, and you know what? I've come back from some really severe injuries. Uh, I'm training. I will be squatting and deadlifting within the next two to three months, and then the sky is the limit for me. I'll I'll try my best not to injure myself. That's the real thing. All right, so the next one comes from uh, Phil Tomkeel, and he says, let me get a question here. Come on. I need a new mouse. This mouse doesn't work anymore. I want to know what you think about biotest supplements. Boy, I haven't thought about them in years. Uh, these guys were all the rage 20 years ago, and they're still around today, which you say is a good thing. Do you have any worth look anything worth looking into?
0: Yeah. You know, um, biotest, which is the supplement arm of testosterone.net, they, they were, in fact, doing some very innovative things. 20 years ago (laughs) today they are much like ast research in my opinion they're sitting on a stale product line with some good products um some bad products and a lot of mediocre ones that are just frankly overpriced basics um now i will say this i referenced that they were innovative at one time If I'm not mistaken, they were the very first with transdermal 4 androdiol and also nor 4 androdiol okay? And those were – I remember one was called androsol, and I think the other one was called nandrosol. They were their respective pro-hormones in a a very simple isopropyl alcohol base and nothing more.
1: Yeah, which which isopropyl alcohol – gets about 10% of what's compounded into it through the skin, but only for a short time because the alcohol has such an astringent effect on the skin that once the skin becomes dried out, nothing gets in. Um, The the flux across the skin requires the skin to be well hydrated. I I spent a lifetime uh, compounding transdermals. So I'm telling you that was that was like a real like you were wasting so much product. But go ahead, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. So I'll tell you what though, um, I do remember a distinct you know lift in mood, at least from their four AD product uh, of the little bit that did get through. But be that as it may, their best product way back when was probably something called Mag Ten. It was a com. It was a combination of four AD methyl carbonate, which was their, you know, they extended the half-life and the duration, yada, yada. And uh, one testosterone, which most people would have been probably more familiar with as methyl one test. But nonetheless, those two were in this orally active solution that tasted like red hots. (laughs) I remember that, but um, the current mag 10 product they have is nothing like that. It contains no pro-hormones, Whatsoever, they also used to have a norephedrine based fat burner, one of well, I think only two to ever appear on the market. Syntrax had the other one, um, and I can't remember the name of that product, but uh, it, it was. They were both very sharp products. Biotest also pushed some real losers. So, <laughs> chief among those was a product called Methoxy Seven. Wasn't that, I was
1: just looking for that. Wasn't that the one that was in a base of 100% cholesterol?
0: Cholesterol. Tasted great. And, and let me that?
1: tell you something. The cholesterol was building muscle. It really yeah. was. It wasn't the methoxyisoflavone that was in there. No.
0: <laughs> You're absolutely right. Uh, but that, that was a real stinkers. Uh, my, something called myostat CSP3, which was a purported natural myostatin inhibitor, which w- was derived from seaweed, and Carbolin-19, which is a Forscolan-based product that they they claim outperforms Anivar in their advertising. And I'm almost certain that's still up there. Today, they seem to be pushing this stuff uh, indigo, something or other. It's an oral, I guess, which is a, a – it's, it's loaded what they call the – what are those things in blueberries? Proanthocyanids? Yeah,
1: yeah, anthocyanins, yeah.
0: Okay, so it's amazing. billed It's built as this glucose disposal type product. Um, the only place I've heard about it doing good things or noticeable things are on biotest boards, which are heavily, heavily um, seeded with shills. Yeah, exactly. And so, otherwise, you know, the rest of their line, they have, um, they have a Tribex, I think, an Alpha Male product, which are probably among their best sellers. They contain tribulus and urecoma longifolia, as well as the forscolan as their active ingredients. But again, you know, I would tell you they're simply overpriced um, trib, longifolia, and forscolan. You know, you'd do much better uh, buying the highly purified single ingredients if you're looking to go that route. So here's the bottom line on biotest. Other than a couple of things, like maybe they're protein powder and they've got a fish oil product. That's uh, what are they? I forget the name. Flame out. Flame out's the name of it. There's nothing that really interests me there. I, I don't think any of the mainstream people are interested in it either. I think they might go there to read some of the articles, and they've got a certain. They certainly have a, a, a deep bench there, but you know what? Uh, even in the case of their protein powder and fish oil, you can buy better and usually get a better price on it. Thrive's a great example, you know. And and um, Carlson's fish oil, you know, there's another one.
1: Well, the best Nor- the, be- the best fish oil products on the market today, but yep. and you have to search for them. Made by a company called Metagenics. Uh, this yeah. this company has dedicated millions and millions of dollars to science of fish oil. They even have some. Rarified forms where they've isolated just uh, certain components of fish oil and concentrate them, called SPM actives, that literally uh, force uh, inflammation to resolve, not not suppress. The big difference: resolve. So, there, if you want good fish oil products, look for Metagenics.
0: Yeah. So perfect example there,
1: <laughs> D- Danny. Uh, Danny Heraldo Oquendo says, uh, "How effective is CJC twelve ninety five with the It's very effective. It's just as effective as GHRP six. The problem is that for some reason the Food and Drug Administration has told uh, the uh, compounding pharmacist that they can no longer offer GHRP six. I have no idea why that is." Um, But just that one. Yeah, just GHRP-6. Like, made, they can't get you a CJC 1295 with GHRP-6, even though it's probably more effective than the impamarellin. But the impamarellin is effective, too. Yes, those two, use it the way I said, Danny. Uh, You want to take it three times a day, first thing in the morning before you eat, sometime in the afternoon in between meals, at least an hour to an hour and a half after a meal, And then before bed. And if before bed makes you stay awake, cut your dose back. That's all you need to do there. Okay. So uh, the next question we have comes from Jerry Denning. And uh, Jerry says, uh, what are your thoughts on training to failure? Does it work? And if so, what's the best way to use it? I've tried it in the past and had great results but could never stick with it.
0: Yeah, you know what? Every few years, training to failure, uh, enjoys this renaissance of sorts, right? So that's probably why you're seeing it come around again. For too many years, the strength training community has lacked accurate measurements. And, and this is where I'm going with one set to failure. Training to failure way back when was a, was an early way to ensure that you hit a hundred percent. Of something, right? Because you can measure it in many different ways. But if you can no longer, if you carry it to the point where you can no longer lift the weight, then that you have reached concentric failure. And early advocates like Arthur Jones, uh, he was quick to point out, though, uh, shortly after writing about that, that there was one more than one way to skin a cat, meaning uh, eccentric failure. So you might not be able to continue to lift, right? A weight. However, you can still at that point, lower an even heavier weight under control um, until you can no longer, right? Control it. And then the rep speed increases dramatically and it drops. So Jones was very fond of writing articles about negatives and how much they, they helped him. He claimed miraculous results in both himself and others and and so it soon spread to you know other in, in various other forms to his students I have tried negative only training and and used it as he recommend um, and it'll certainly make you stronger however I'll be honest with you I I will say that I think you need the concentric part of the lift as well. There's no question in my mind. There are benefits in both. And so looked at from my perspective, there are benefits to hitting positive muscular failure and negative. It's no accident, almost everyone with lots of muscle performs both, right? I mean, how many how many pro bodybuilders ever stepped onto the Olympia stage and said, Hey, I did all this doing negatives? <laughs> right? right? It just right. does it just doesn't happen. Um, you know, they're, they're not going to get up there and say, I built this body using just static holds. But anyway, back to failure for a moment. In my mind, right, there are three types. There's concentric, there's eccentric, and then there's static, right? Static failure. There may even be a fourth type if you think about it, it's, and that's partial repetitions in the strongest range to failure. I think if you're going to try this, you need to start slow, okay, with maybe concentric only failure first once a week, right? And, and that's the other part of this. Yes. You are going to notice yes. you need more recovery time when you are training to failure. It's just how it is. Now, negatives can be incorporated at some point, but only sparingly, in my opinion. Not every workout. Static holds or partial reps; those are the domain today uh, of Pete Cisco. And I think he's over at precisiontraining.com. He has some very – and this is what's – I was looking at this the other day. It It was pretty savvy. I'd like to know more about it. He has some interesting training software that uses a predictive index to tell you how soon you can productively train again and how long is too long, right? So we know there's a range, and there's a, there's a range where you can go back in there and make progress again. And, you know, there's an early range and there's a late range when it's too late. It's called, I think, the engineered gym or engineered strength or something like that. And, if you know, if you're interested in high-intensity training and training to failure, I would encourage you to look into it. You know, it could be something that could help you tremendously. He's big on measuring and I, you will know within a month whether or not it's working for you. Apparently, the software uh, gets better and better the more, you know, the longer you use it, given it has more data points, right? I, for the life of me, I can't imagine how it can account for things, though, like lack of sleep. I was going to say a bad night's sleep derails everything. Oh, right. yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's that has to be you know, included. But here's the bottom line. Training to failure works but like all training the body doesn't respond forever to it. You can absolutely refine it though for your purposes. And and so the classic example being in the blueprint, the original blueprint, we use it <clears throat> but in a very judicious manner. In fact for for just five workouts, but we use it as a very at a very specific time which we use it more or less as a bridge into bigger and better things, and it works incredibly well, especially as you come off of a higher volume phase. Like everything else, um, it eventually stops working, but you can milk it for a good long while if you want to.
1: And I, I don't yeah. think it—I don't think it necessarily stops working permanently. I think what happens is people overuse. So th- th- uh, these types of advanced techniques are so depleting of the nervous system, they cause such yes. fatigue that the body starts to protect itself. Uh, so, and this is why it's so important what you just said is that you use it sparingly. You know, you just don't use it like training to failure every single session unless you're literally going home and sleeping Hour for an hour hour or two after you work out and then you're getting a good night's sleep every single night and your calories are high because we know that overtraining is is directly related to your intake of calories we, we, we talked about that in, in that study. So if you're doing all those things you may be able to train to failure more frequently through the week. But the reality is if you're doing things like static holes, so, so if you do a static, You notice that there becomes a point where the muscle starts to undulate. You're holding on. That undulation is nerves firing fibers that were not engaged. It's going, oh, these two fibers are about to collapse. They can't hold it, so let's fire two fresh fibers. And so that process puts a great demand on the nervous system. You just can't come back and do that three days in a row. You may be able to, don't get me wrong, but you won't get gains from it. In fact, you'll start getting weaker.
0: So if you use these
1: advanced training methods, you have to be very sparing with them.
0: Yeah, that reminds me. um, I was taught once that if you reach a point during your workout where your hands are trembling, visibly trembling, you're no longer working your muscles. You're frying your nervous system. And you know what? That's been pretty good advice over the years. You know, there are times when I just sit down and I try to hold my hand still as much as possible, but you can see it trembling a little bit. Yeah. Um, your body's you know, telling you
1: something. Exactly, it's, it's getting tired, yep. and you don't. I right, so we have a question from Michael Kane that we're going to lead off the next segment with uh, when okay. we come back. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Blueprint Power Hour. Visit com often. Get stronger faster. We'll be right back.
0: This Nutrition makes bars, cookies, chips, and pizzas out of complete dairy-based proteins. Our products minimize net carbs and sugar without sacrificing taste. Each delicious chocolate-flavored chip, cookie chunk, and crunchy crumble is custom-made to maintain Quest macros. It's time to enjoy foods that work for you, not against you. It's time to enjoy your Quest.
1: Hey, this is Carl. For 14 years, you've heard me talk about eye drops, and they being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at now 61 years old. But I regularly get emails and messages from people who've been using CanSee and having some amazing results. Recently, I got an email from a fellow named Chad, who, because he was on dexamethasone, Eye drops for over six months developed the cataract. Cansee eye drops actually reduce my cataract to the point where even my doctor has a hard time finding it. I will never stop using cancy eye drops twice a day. I've been using them since two thousand eight, he says. And you should be too. There is no better way to keep your eyes healthy and seeing clearly than see eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com today and get on board, and we will both be looking into the future with very clear vision. New- shape and be more productive at RenewLifeRx.com There's lots of CBD products out there and there's lots of misinformation too. If you want the best CBD product available and the way to use it to improve athletic performance, there is only one choice. Venga CBD. Venga CBD is five times more bioavailable than other products and you feel it faster. But more importantly, the folks at Venga have identified the best way to use it for athletic performance. Go to SuperHumanRadio.net today and download your free copy of the Endurance Athlete's Guide to CBD. Use code SHR10 and save 10% off at VengaCBD.com. That's vengacb CBD.com. Do you use protein powder? Then you'll want to hear this. Thrive Protein is the single best protein blend in the world, built around what Mother Nature put into mother's milk. Thrive Protein is the first human-appropriate protein blend. There's just too much in Thrive to list in this commercial. That's why I'm challenging you to compare your current protein to Thrive. Get your current protein and go to THRIVprotein.com and see how your protein's label stacks up to Thrive. For a limited time, get three pounds of Thrive for $59.95, including shipping inside the USA. That's T-H-R-I-V protein.com and code COMPARE. Get ready to experience protein envy. You're listening to the Superhuman Channel. We're ripped and we're ready. Welcome back. So, uh, we have a question from the audience. We have a question from Michael Kane. I'd like to take a crack at this one first, if you don't mind, Coach. Sure. So he says, uh, because this is a personal problem of mine, right? I- I'm, the- I'm the guy who just trained back yesterday, but I see you deadlifting, so I want to go deadlift with you, even though that's not a sensible thing to do. Um, I know what you mean about loving training. It's really, I love to train. If I never yeah. gained another ounce of muscle or strength, I would still show up at the gym every day. Yeah. How do you overcome your love of training? and stepping back when you're doing too much but feel like you can keep going. So to 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 think about something that Lee Haney said. As a matter of fact, I'm trying to get him on the show cuz he's aging great. You know, Lee said you can train intense or you can train long, but you can't do both. And I'd like to modify that. You can train intense or you can train long or more frequent. But you can't do both. And that is the answer that I've discovered, Michael. Uh, I am training every day right now. But I'm hitting, I'm doing a whole body workout. I'm only doing two sets. And I'm, I'm, I'm undulating where one day I go in and I train low reps and a heavy weight. The next day I come in and I lighten up a little. The next day I come in and I lighten up a little bit more. Just two sets. So I'm not exhausting the muscle. I'm not taking the muscle and doing so much collateral damage to the muscle and the nervous system that the next day I'm super weak. I'm not because I'm just doing two sets. But if you do that five days a week, you're doing 10 sets per body part. That has a great impact on muscle growth and strength gains without destroying you. Now think about it. If you were a construction worker, And your boss said, our job is to move all those bricks and build this wall this week. You wouldn't show up to work and go, how can I make this the hardest I can for myself? No. You'd pace yourself. You'd pace yourself. you go, okay, uh, I'm going to move – 150 bricks a day, I'm going to lay them on the wall and cement them, and I'll do that five days a week. I do the math in my head the wall is built. You don't show up day one and go, I'm going to crush myself. I'm going to try to do this all in one day. We need to start to recognize that exercise is a, the modern replacement for work and activity that we used to do year in, in, in decades past, right? We were laborers. We were hunter-gatherers. And so now exercise oh we can crush ourselves in an hour where before we had to like save energy so if you start thinking of your training more like you would work then you could see how you could show up every day and do your work go home and eat dinner sleep good and show up again and do the same work again and make progress and progression is the key here not crushing yourself so that's what i've discovered for myself you back off on the intensity or you oscillate the intensity You back off on the duration. You don't train that muscle for, for, for 30 sets one day. And you spread it out over the course of a week. And you end up getting all the work done that you need to make progress. Go ahead, Coach. You jump in.
0: Well, for me, the motiv- the motivator, I guess, is not being on dialysis.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You have a different problem. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Right? <laughs> Having had uh, multiple rhabdo episodes. But um, let me tell you what I am doing because – I'm limiting myself now since my last one to 2 days a week with the weights. So, similar situation, what do you do on those other days when I feel like I could go in into the gym today, even after deadlifting yesterday. I feel like I could go in and crush it. I think it becomes a matter of taking that energy and putting it towards something else. And something else could be I'm going to train my son and his friend and therefore, you know, I'm still in the gym. I'm still, you know, around weights and I'm helping people. And that's a great feeling. You can also take that energy and redirect it towards what you are not good at, which for me is cardio, right? I mean, working your heart and lungs and the pipes is a weak area for me. I'm just not, you know, i I <laughs> The muscle that I have built is certainly not slow twitch. I, I've learned that, um, but it's something for me to look at and say I can go in today, and I can still exert myself. I can push the sleds, you know, sled sprints. I can run on the treadmill. I can do these other things, and bring my weak areas up without having to resort, you know, to heavy weights. And the other thing that you might want to do with that time and energy, frankly, um, is write. And I know a lot of people probably don't want to do that or wouldn't think about doing that. But writing down, you know, what your what your training, how your training is going, especially as compared to looking back in your training journals where you were a year ago. In fact, that's a very good that's a good exercise. Write a couple paragraphs. On um, where you were a year ago and where and where you are today, uh, you know it's going to be an eye opener for a lot of people, um, a, a lot of people, and hopefully it'll help give you some direction when you do go back into the gym. Yeah. yeah. Yep.
1: So the next question comes from uh, Bill Cirilli, <clears throat> and he says, "I know you speak highly of the trap bar deadlift, but I'm hesitant because I usually deadlift sumo style." Won't I lose strength? I'm not competing anymore, and just doing this to look better and stay strong.
0: Yeah. Well, the trap bar deadlift—it's it, a tremendous exercise. I've talked about it many times here, uh, but there are some nuances you should be aware of. First, it's really a—you uh, know—the best of a hybrid between the squat and the deadlift, right? Which it gives you you know, the best of each. That's my personal feeling. It is safer, certainly safer than a regular deadlift, given, right, it centers your weight and there's less temptation to lean forward using more of your lower back to lift the weight. Now, ironically, the studies show that you can lift around 7% more with a trap bar versus a regular deadlift. I say ironically because to me, it feels like you can't, you can involve your lower back to the same, you know, to the same degree. And therefore you're not going to be able to get that extra right into the lift. Um, so you'd think you're not able to lift as much weight, at least in my case, that's what's true. And if I, when I go back to a, a, uh, straight bar deadlift from a trap bar, I reliably lift more weight. And, and maybe I'm an anomaly, but that's, it is what it is. So be that as it may, uh, it is still a tremendous lift and I think you should give it a shot. There's another nuance though. You should be aware of. It's more of a quad dominant movement, right? Mm-hmm. Than it is, um, work the posterior chain. And we live in a, in a, in a world of quad dominant people, right? Quite a few, quite a few. So, your posterior chain, uh, glutes, hams, lower back are probably going to need some more work. Um, and I would suggest to do that work, either something like box squatting, if your back can take it, uh, do both of them. Or if your lower back can't take it, there's the reverse hyper. There's the glute ham raise. Um, there are wide stance belt squats following, right, following your trap bar work. Another movement, and this one is way underrated and way underutilized, in my opinion, are wide stance leverage squats. The the leverage squat, for whatever reason, does not stress my lower back anyway, and I would argue most people's, the way a regular squat does. And it's a fantastic tool um, because of the many different foot positions you can put yourself in. When you step inside of a trap bar, you're not going to, you know, that's not going to be a wide stance. It is by its very nature, right? A closed stance. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just understand the muscles on your backside need to get work too. Okay. glued ham bridges are also an excellent assistance lift to work that posterior chain with almost zero, right? Or zero vertical compression of the spine. One final note. If you plan to trap bar deadlift, and occasionally go back to your sumo deadlifts, which is fine. You know, I would encourage that. It's okay to use the high handles on the trap bar as opposed to the low ones because the high handles more accurately reflect the shorter duration or the shorter range of motion, rather, of the bar stroke, right, on a sumo deadlift. And it'll help in the carryover. So. I hope that helps. Um, they're, they're both great lifts, and I would encourage you to, to do both. Another an-
1: another forgotten movement, because most people don't do them right and they end up hurting themselves, uh, is the good morning. Yeah. Uh, this is great for the lower back, the glutes, and the hamstrings. Uh, and a lot of people find out that they're much stronger than they ever thought they were uh, when doing uh, good morning. So that's another one. But you got to make sure you're doing it right. Uh, okay, so Danny Heraldo uh, Okendo has another question. I'm going to pop up here real quick. He says, what other peptide is effective or more than fragment 176-191, which is also known as AOD9604? So there's a couple things you need to know about this peptide. Number one, if you take it and you don't use growth hormone secretagogues, it will actually suppress... The natural growth hormone production of your body, because you got to remember, this is a fragment of growth hormone, and 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 your body has a uh, feedback loops, and it sees this this uh, fragment, and it thinks, oh wow, we got a lot of growth hormone, but in fact, this particular uh, peptide, AOD nine six zero four or one seventy six to one ninety one, which is the old school name, um, has a unique uh, fat loss ability without the potential. Negative effects of growth hormone. Understand why people use this, right? They use this because, for some reason, they don't want to use growth hormone. You could just use growth hormone or growth hormone secretagogue, like we just talked about, get the same result. The other thing is the mistake that people make with AOD 9604, which, by the way, is becoming very popular for people who have soft tissue I- injuries and, and, uh, and also being used in treating certain autoimmune disorders, uh, so keep in mind, it, it, again, it, it's a portion of growth hormone. It has pleiotropic effects. But that whole, that whole fragment that they're cutting off and throwing away also has important effects. But the problem that people have with the fragment, and they say, oh, it doesn't work, is you've got to inject this multiple times a day. I've heard as much as five times a day in order to see the fat loss. You'd be better off using... The CJC-1295 with impamorelin or CJC-1295 with GHRP6 three times a day, and you will still see the fat loss, but you'll also have lots of other benefits. I'm not a big fan of AOD 9604 by itself. I think it should only be used when you're using growth hormone secretagogues that are also making sure you don't shut off your own growth hormone
0: production. So that's why yeah, well, when, the only thing I can add to that is when Fragment 176 was new, I used it, did not use it multiple times a day, did not use it with another right, GHRH, and got absolutely zilch out of it. And now I know why. Um, but its a, I guess that's a cautionary tale. And, you know, instead of jumping on every single new thing that comes out, <laughs> maybe give it a few months to see how it's optimally used. Yeah.
1: Yeah, i got I gotta put this up because it's kind of funny. Jeff Clifton says i'm gonna try hip thrusts after watching Carl doing them with a Buick that actually those weren't even heavy, so it was three hundred sixty five pounds i I've done five five hundred pounds for reps. I don't know that I could do that today uh but once my my glutes and my lower back and my legs get strong again i will I will do those again, but thank you very much that's a, a a very nice compliment for you to say to me uh so the next question comes from uh, Matthew Lawrence. And Matthew says, you've got extremely broad shoulders. What specifically do you do to get great shoulders like that? Were they always wide? And what exercises helped you develop them the most? I would imagine some well, of it is clavicle, right? I mean, you, you probably have the bone
0: structure too, right? Interestingly enough, no. Wow. And and I have some theories behind, and I can see that by the way in training my son now, uh, who who when he started he had extremely narrow shoulders, and my father same thing, very narrow shoulders. I will I will tell you that, uh, and it's it's a guess, but it's probably a good guess um, that those breathing squats and pullovers had something to do with it, giving me a bigger shelf, right to develop delts on but there's an old saying in bodybuilding and it goes like this you can't hide weak shoulders and they're absolutely right and the trouble is that due to you know for a lot of people anyway due to all the bench pressing that goes on the front delts get way overdeveloped. it pulls the entire body forward which in addition to leading to injuries ruins your the appearance of your shoulders. Now, you can spot these people a mile away uh, by the way that their hands fall at their sides. You will notice that their palms are rotated backwards always, always. And again, they're being pulled forward by their front delts and they're extremely weak, if not non-existent, rear delts. So that's a telltale sign if you're doing that and you catch yourself doing it. That's a telltale sign that um, you've got way overdeveloped front delts and you need to get to work on the back. Now, in terms of, of how I got here, um, which is no world record, but I, I do get nice comments on the shoulders and a lot of people ask me about it. My story is this. My genetics actually favor narrow shoulders. That's how it started out. So I had to build them. And a big part of that was breathing squats and breathing pullovers. I would also tell you that in my youth, I did a lot of overhead pressing, uh, both standing and seated. And I also did something called the Bradford press, which I I think we've touched on on this show. Um, But if you look it up, you know, you start from a position, the bar is under the chin. It goes just over the head and then to the back and then back again. For whatever reason, my shoulder development really took off when I started doing those. And I don't know if it was just a timing thing or what, but, but that's what happened. I would also tell you that I was blessed with bulletproof shoulders, especially in my youth. So, you know, they allowed me to do things that most other people uh, are, not, are not able to do or were not able to do. And I'll give you a good example. Even to this day, when I had this shoulder operated on, the very next day I went into the gym and could get under a squat bar and hold the bar like this. And I know plenty of people in my gym that can't do that period without an injury. It's just, they're so restricted or whatever. It gives them a lot of pain. So I'm somewhat of an anomaly there. Um, Now I never did so-called isolation movements for my shoulders, things like dumbbell side, laterals, front raises, When I was young, those were never on the table. It was all about trying to up the amount of weight you could press over your head. Instead, uh, uh, you know, instead of those isolation movements, I ended up building them a little bit by default too, meaning that because I usually supersetted a push movement with a pull movement, I built very strong front and rear delts Because I was doing justice to my pushing and pulling exercises. So you're not thinking about building your delts, right? You're thinking about your back and your chest maybe. Um, But, man, the shoulders get it too. So when I was doing things like flat dumbbell presses and and seated cable rows and dips supersetted with chins, that contributed a lot, I think. In my late 40s, I could no longer overhead press, which was due to this severe arthritis in the right elbow. Um, at one and and that took its toll because (laughs) I came across a picture of myself in the gym and the picture I saw didn't lie. I had lost a lot of shoulder development because of the fact that I wasn't able to press anymore. What brought my shoulders back fast, frankly, were two movements. Number one, the handstand shoulder press. I taught myself how to do that. And number two, we get back to the leverage squat machine. I use that, right, to stand there and use it as a press.
1: Yeah, I see a lot of people do that.
0: It, extremely effective. Extremely. Especially if you don't put, you know, your legs into it.
1: It, it actually it mimics a jammer press. Like if you go get a bar, yeah. you put it in a corner, you do jammer. you could do that with the leverage squat machine too, right?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And, and, and for those of you who have a really good old-fashioned – a calf machine, a standing calf machine, you can do it with the pads on the calf machine too.
0: Yes, excellent point. Um and now, you know, as far as the handstand shoulder presses go, I know you don't see those very often. For whatever reason, and I'm not sure uh what this is, I can do those pain free, even with an added weight vest. As opposed to if I grab a barbell and try to push it overhead, it's excruciating pain. But that's a good lesson and you don't have to give up. You can find movements where it doesn't hurt or it doesn't hurt as much. So I'm good to go on those, even piling additional weight on. And But I only got there because I tried them, right? It's, it's, it's a process. Um, the leverage squat shoulder press, I perform that in a very strict style. No leg drive and very slow negatives. And I can do those with minimal pain. You know, the, the handstand shoulder press, I have no pain. Those I have minimal pain on. Um, and between those two movements, it did not take much time from my shoulders, right? To come, come back and come back fast. I have, uh, <laughs> I have my son doing something similar. And, and again, he started with very narrow shoulders. This is, I think he's going into his third year of training now. Um, they are. They have filled out quite a bit, and as well as his back. Like I was standing in front of him or in back of him rather the other day, the son of a gun's taller than I am now. But his, I was amazed right by his back and shoulders. So, um, anyway, the, you know, there's nothing fancy in what I was doing. You know, I've uh, I was doing um, twenty rep breathing squats and pullovers. I was supersetting dips and chins uh you know he's going to be doing push presses and and on the leverage squat machine he likes those for whatever reason so i'm i'm going to, just going to continue to encourage him he did not want to learn the handstand push up that's fine right so instead I, i've got him overhead pressing with a trap bar and if your gym has one and the sleeves are long enough on each end i would encourage you to absolutely try using a trap bar um For the overhead press. Because if you think about it, it does the same thing that it does with your deadlift. It centers your body perfectly. Perfectly.
1: So uh, I I have very broad shoulders uh, structurally. My dad had them and my son has them. And we all suffered from the same problem. Anytime I buy a sports coat or a jacket, there's this rumple of material right at the base of my neck that has to be trimmed out. Because my shoulders are so straight across.
0: That's awesome.
1: (laughs) But having big round shoulders is important to me. And that's why I train my shoulders first every time I train. Like right now I'm doing full body stuff, right? So if if you want big round shoulders, train them first. Make them a priority. So the first thing I do when I I go into the gym is I do seated uh, dumbbell presses or seated machine presses, number one. Then I go over and I do... Uh, dumbbell raises or or, or machine uh, uh, lateral raises, you know, where you sit in. And, and then I do rear delt on the reverse pec deck. Then I move right. on to everything else. When I walk into the gym, I'm fresh, I'm strong, I'm excited about being there. I train my shoulders first. So pick the body part that's lagging and make it the priority. And every time you go to the gym, train it first. And yep, you watch what happens.
0: Watch what happens. I, I do the same exact thing, so I would concur 100%.
1: Uh, the next question comes from Todd Godick, and just give me a second to put him up here. And so uh, Todd says, uh, if anabolic steroids were all legalized tomorrow, oh, no, he says, I've heard you talk about things like methyl one test before, and it sounds incredible, uh, may have been fun when they were legal. Let's say all steroids were legalized tomorrow, though. What would you take and Why?
0: Yeah, this was a real. I've never gotten this question. Uh, well, listen, since we're pretending, I'll also pretend I'm young again, and, and that's not. <laughs> well, well, that's not just to be just to be funny, because as as you'll see, that makes a difference. I think in in what your choices are, what you can tolerate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I would tell you that if I had my druthers and I was in my 20s again, the first thing I'd want to try is Trent. Because I'm all about strength, and from everything I've ever heard about Tren, <laughs> it's an incredible you know, ride strength-wise. Um, apparently, it doesn't put a lot of weight on you, which is just fine. You know, uh, we you talked problem. about
1: that yesterday in the show. If you add something that increases estrogen production, it will put me- – can- Tren, can- Tren is used as a hardening agent because it, it, it creates dry muscle, but that's because it doesn't aromatize, number one. That's why – cattle farmers give a uh, cow's trend plus estradiol benzoate yeah. and they put on five times more muscle weight when you add the estradiol and that's the missing link if you want to bulk on trend you've got to have higher estrogen levels okay i'm sorry
0: that's okay um, i was going to say and now that's the that's the good side of it right those are the positives the the trade off would be these peculiar sides like like the trend cough um although how much to do how much of that was due to contaminants i never got i never got trend
1: cough when i used trend balone and anthate i only ever got it from trend ace i don't think it's the i don't think it's from the contaminants yeah. it could be from the high levels of benzyl alcohol we were using in order to keep it uh, in, a, in an in aseptic environment uh it yeah. also could be the speed in which the uh, uh acetate ester releases into the bloodstream uh, I, you know, I, I don't know where the trend cough comes from, but I never, never, I did get it with trend ACE. I never got it with trend end.
0: Yeah, I, I, that would be one of the things I guess that would, that would concern me. There are others, um, not the least of which is, is kidney toxicity, but.
1: Well, and, people- and, then there's more, more recent research is showing that, uh, it may uh, predispose people to developing dementia later on in life, which I'm really yeah. not happy about. When I read that one, you know? I mean, I mean, the high blood pressure, the sleeplessness, the night sweats, the the always feeling like you're on the verge of being sick, uh, the rapid heartbeat, it sucks, sucks, sucks. But once yeah. you stop, it starts to go away, and 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 it goes away, and it's gone. But the whole idea that like 30 years from now you could end up. Going, what's my name? And it's all because you use trend. That doesn't. That doesn't sound good. That doesn't bode well with me.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, people that have that I know that have used it um, have told me that it also makes them feel aggressive as hell. I mean, you know, just like begging for a fight over stupid stuff like yeah. No, I,
1: I, Rob, I gotta, I gotta tell you, those are, when people have those kind of personalities, beer makes them yeah. feel that way. Drugs make them feel that way. Trend will make them. I, I was using high levels of trend at a point in my life where I should have wanted to just buy a gun and kill a bunch of people. Yep. <laughs> it never never did that to me.
0: So okay. I, I, well, think if
1: I think if you're an asshole, you have the probability of being a much bigger asshole on trend.
0: That's it. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> um, but being a very laid back person, I don't think I'd be very concerned with that because those type of things, it's like stimulants. They bring me from down here just up to normal, you know. And a little aggression in the gym is a good thing. Uh, Now, one thing that I think would have been very problematic for me is the sleep, the sleep disturbances. That sucks. Uh, Yeah, they're just – you're universally reported as horrible on trend.
1: You you wake up in the middle of the night completely covered in sweat, anxiety attacks. uh, You fall asleep for a little while. You wake up again. You fall asleep for a little while. You wake up again. A lot of people say, oh, it's because – it's such a strong androgen it's excitatory I don't believe that I think it's hormonal I think what yep. it does to your hormones just jack you up to a point where you just don't sleep well anymore Wow it's almost like yeah. when women go through menopause that's what it's like
0: yeah that's a good point um, the other thing the other thing would be Molly <laughs> the other thing would be blown kidneys um, which which I I never had kidney issues right when I was younger. They, don't, they only popped up in their 40s, so, you know, I, I probably would have skated by on youth like a lot of people do. Now, otherwise, I would have liked to have tried A-bombs, right, and, of course, D-ball. A-bombs in particular have a reputation as strength builders. One guy at my gym who, who used a lot of it, he told me just being within reach of the tablets would make you stronger, and I laughed and he said, that's only a, sh- a small exaggeration. Um, but honestly, I would imagine a lot of that has to do with water retention. And right, and by all accounts, that's a drug that causes massive amounts of that. So I don't, you know, otherwise, I don't think I would have bothered with the, the Anivars and the Winstraws and the Primos of the world. Um, those would be a lot safer, though, and probably more appropriate for somebody older. But there's something else I need, I would have needed to be concerned with, with, you know, using the drugs that early in life. And that is, frankly, sterility, becoming sterile. Now, it obviously depends. Uh, but if you run enough of them or the wrong ones at high enough doses over long enough periods of time, your are absolutely you're, your sperm count's going to suffer. Now, along these lines, I have several friends uh, that in their twenties brand big, long, powerful cycles of, of powerful drugs. And years later, you know, they meet the woman of their dreams and, and like a lot of women, you know, she wants to have kids and you can't do it because you're shooting blanks. Right. I mean, that actually, that happens and that, that affects relationships. So, you know, my friend Doug who, who passed away, he, he started early, but he also froze his sperm. He was smart enough to do that. And at age, I think, 46 or 47, he had two sets of twins. Unfortunately, he died at age 50, right, when his kids are only three and four years old. It's so but sad. It is. It is. But, but look, here's the thing. If I'm going to be honest with myself, I probably would have been one of those people. That was at least sterile because I don't think after I got on and saw all this stuff, I don't think it would have ever come off with my personality. Yeah. In fact, I'm sure of it. You know, my younger self would have never had the discipline to do that. So, look, there's more to consider than just muscle before you take the plunge into anabolics. I passed on them early, primarily due to the same fear that I have of them now, which are the legalities. They're not necessarily side effects and the legalities of it. I'm not sure which drugs I would have been able to hack and what I couldn't. But what I can tell you, what I am sure of is this. If I did use them in my 20s, I would have never maxed out my natural potential. And I think that's big. I think that's something you really need to look at.
1: Yeah. Uh, so. I I don't have to answer this question per se because I used everything I ever wanted to use. Uh, and, and recreational drugs too So I, you know, I'm a product of the 60s And it was all good And uh, which I'm going to answer this question Well so first of all uh, Jeff Clifton wants to know from you How did you get your son inspired to work out Did you have to motivate him Or did he want to go to the He sees you going all the time Did he say dad when are you going to take me to the gym
0: He did not want to go to the gym He did not want any part of it uh, Dad exercised his parental authority And brought him along he did all of a sudden become, into, well, at least more interested in it when he sees progress. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't five months ago he couldn't do a quarter of a chin up. He can do he can do ten with uh, ten pounds around his waist now. And so, and he sees his body starting to change, right? And you I know, bet
1: I bet his friends at his age, you know, they're looking at him because that's what's going to happen when he starts adding that muscle and his friends don't. He steps into the hierarchy in his social structure.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, now these days he's just strolls in there like he belongs there. And I tell him all the time that he absolutely he does. Uh, and he's doing great work. And I, I bring a friend along, too. That doesn't hurt. You know, one of his little, friends. Yeah. Great. One of his. Friends. Great. Good. thinking. Yeah. yeah so,
1: cool. There you go. Scott Dodd says, uh, hey, Carl. A Big fan for over 10 years plus. Keep it up, brother. Thank you very much. And thank you for uh, being part of this audience for so long. I really, really appreciate it. Because I don't know what I would do if I didn't have this as my job. Yeah, uh, right. Danny Geraldo Oquendo, uh, what do you think about uh, Boldenone, basically? Uh, uh, I, I First of all, Danny, I don't think anybody's getting real Boldenone. So Boldenone is Equipoise. Equipoise is made for horses. Uh, Unless you're going to a legitimate veterinarian and getting it, or you work on the racetrack like I did when I was a kid and it was accessible, (laughs) uh, most people are buying testosterone cypionate being told it's boldenone. So most people can't tell you what boldenone is like. And that's including me because the only boldenone I ever used came from a UG. I didn't know that it was real boldenone. Now – Tren Bologna is one that you can't lie about because it's got this yellowish color. It looks like cat urine. Right. So, like, when you see see a bottle of Tren and it's clear, it's not Tren. It's yellow. Um, So, but uh, I don't think boldenone is a good drug to use. I know people that have used boldenone that it was legit boldenone. And while it does add muscle and strength, I think it's a little too harsh for the body. Again, it's made for horses. Boldenone is yeah, made for I, horses. Equipoise, the, the 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 equa is for equine. Equipoise yeah, I, is a is is a horse uh, steroid.
0: I only had one friend that used it, and he did not speak highly of it.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know that you know I, I it's probably wonderful if you don't care about its potential damaging effects on your body. But again, right. Danny, I don't think anybody's getting real boldenone if they're buying it from a UG. Right. All right. We're going to take our last commercial break. And uh, when we come back, we've got the blueprint tip of the day. Uh, So stay tuned. We shall return. Redcon One is one of the fastest growing supplement companies in the world today. That's because they produce supplements that deliver on their promises. From their flagship pre-workout Total War to their innovative whole food MREs and bars. Now you can get the deepest discount ever offered to any audience anywhere. Use code SHR and get 25% off all Redcon One products today. SHR and 25% off. Go to redcon1.com. That's R-E-D-C-O-N, the number one, dot com. You already know the benefits of red light therapy. Now you have to find the strongest best one out there at the best price, right? That's where Scott Chevery found himself. He had to create Mito Red Light so you can get the strongest best red light therapy unit in the world at the absolute best price. And the Superhuman Nation gets an additional discount. Go to MitoRedLight.com and use code SHR to get the lowest price anywhere, plus free shipping inside the USA and deeply discounted shipping worldwide. Go to mitoredlight.com and use code SHR today. That's M-I-T-O-R-E-D-L-I-G-H-T dot com. Are you still on the fence about body protection complex BPC Oral from DrSeeds.com? Listen to Maggie Kuhn, one of the owners of the C-Bus Lifting Company, gym in Columbus, Ohio.
0: I had been having some bagging tendon issues that weren't injuries, just, just things that were annoying. You know, I'm 58 years old, so just older tendon kind of issues. For a parolifter, you know, we really don't stop training when we have just nagging issues. We just kind of keep pushing through and I started the BPC. What I noticed was I was doing some heavy tricep stuff that um, that would have killed me um, before when I had an elbow problem and I was able to do this with literally no pain at all.
1: Go to DrSeeds.com dot com. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your bottle of BPC Body Protection Complex today. You've heard me talk about the chill pill on the show and how effective it is at helping people who suffer Suffer from social anxiety or sometimes when you just want to take the edge off uh, to a long stressful day well listen to this story from Dylan Goutreau
0: definitely takes anxiety away which I have a long history of having started out at two milligrams a day of Xanax that was at eight years old and then, so I stopped using Benzos three years ago extremely difficult yeah so I spent about three years trying to find anything and everything I could that would be healthy for me um to help with anxiety, because I'm talking, you know, full, full, out, panic attack. The the Chill Pill is the first thing that I've found that actually, in the middle of a panic attack, I can take, and it definitely uh, subsides. Go
1: to DrSeeds.com. That's D-R-S-E-E-D-S.com. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your first bottle of the Chill Pill. Check it out. I promise, this is one supplement that delivers if you haven't searched hydrogen water in PubMed yet, you must hydrogen infused water possesses undeniable performance, health and longevity benefits in the realm of real biohacking, hydrogen water machines cost hundreds to thousands of dollars, now you can have the strongest hydrogen infused water conveniently anywhere you want it thanks to Drink HRW they make the only legal and clinically validated formula to create hydrogen water instantly I thought this stuff was BS, till I started using it. The effects on my training and my gut are undeniable. I have more energy and I last longer without stims. You have to try Drink HRW Maximum Strength Hydrogen Water Tablet today. Go to h2waternow.com and use the code SHR for 10% off today. You've heard about blood flow restriction training since 2006 on SHR but you're still on the fence. Well here's the push. BFR is more effective at building muscle than anabolic steroids. That's right. I went there but it's because it's the truth. My experience with the B-Strong blood flow restriction system is proof to me and now I'm asking myself why I waited so long. You'll see undeniable changes in the targeted muscles in days and weeks like nothing you've ever tried before. I will never stop using them. Give B-Strong a try, go to bstrong.training forward slash super hyphen human and use code SHR for 10% off. Spit
0: that out right now.
1: This is the Superhuman Channel. Just had a thought on the uh, undulating training that I'm doing right now day to day. Uh, one to two days a week, I go in and do light reps, high rep. I mean, uh, lightweight, high reps with my B-Strong bands on. It's definitely working. There's no doubt in my mind about it. My body's bouncing back, and uh, muscle memory is a good thing. Okay, so the blueprint tip of the day is the history of the supplement business. Tell us about it, Rob.
0: Yeah, well, this is timely because we are on the precipice of a great change. I feel, uh, and it's not necessarily a good one, but. Uh, Let's keep our fingers crossed. So as both a consumer and somebody who formulates supplements, so I sell them, I have a vested interest. But it gives me a unique perspective, I think, on their development and their use. So I've been in the market, so to speak, for 35 years. And in that time, I've seen a lot of things that have come and gone. So I thought the audience might enjoy an abridged history of the supplement industry um, because many aren't aware of just where things started or more importantly, where things are headed. So the entire sports nutrition category had some very interesting beginnings. Um, now I wasn't around for the early stuff, but um, we need to cover it nonetheless. So in the 1950s, uh, legit people like Rio Blair, um, they were there was an attempt to bring useful items to the market, right? Blair's protein was miles ahead of anything else at the time. Vince Gironda was championing liver tablets. And there seemed to at least be a tertiary understanding that amino acids did something. They really weren't aware of how best to use them yet or what they did. um, But they were out there on the market and people were buying them, And they kept buying them, so they were doing something. Running in parallel with those products, running in parallel with those products were were everybody's everybody's favorite anabolic steroids. Is mommy home?
1: I'm sorry. Was that mommy coming home?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Hi, Jen. He says hi. <laughs> yes, yeah, he just got home from work. I'm sorry about that. Go ahead. That. No, don't anyway. worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, running in parallel with those supplement products were anabolic steroids. And at one point, the price of a bottle of of Dianabol was equal to to the price of a box of Joe Weider's anabolic Mega Packs. Now, guess which one built more muscle? <laughs> right? There was really no contest. And Save for Weider's initial foray into the industry, the supplement uh, business at the time was quite small. Sometime later, though, steroids became illegal. They were added, right, to the, I think it was 1990 or 91. Uh, our friend Joe Biden.
1: <laughs> yeah, he would, have been, he would have been a pro baseball player if it wasn't for drugs. Right, right exactly. <laughs> See, you know, you know, watching him go and, and talk... And get his facts wrong. He's not sure what state he's in. It just <laughs> amazes me. Like, this guy has spent a life. You know, and the funny thing is, his tour is called the No Malarkey Tour, which malarkey means be like, uh, is, is used uh, on the East Coast by uh, Irish immigrants to imply BS, bull S. And so they, oh, that's a lot of malarkey. I mean, that's a lot of bull S. And the funny thing is that all that comes out of his mouth is bull S. Yeah. So I just think it's funny. Yeah. Even even back then, I would have been a pro baseball player, but I wasn't willing to use drugs.
0: Yeah, okay, Joe. Okay. Yeah, and so maybe, and it's not a political statement, but look, if you're considering voting for him, understand what his past was because the future ain't going to look too rosy. From No, some, man, you know, he's the reason that anabolic steroids
1: are not a, are not legal in the U.S., but they're legal like in – in Greece and the U.K. and all these other countries. Mexico. Thanks, Joe.
0: Yeah. And so uh, steroids are criminalized. They're therefore, you know, extremely – if you're an athlete, it, you were extremely unhip to be caught using steroids. Um, but here's the thing. There were the, – so some of the first underground labs were busted. Duchesne's was one of them. And more than a few of the steroid dealers went to prison. And ironically, when they got out, they formed the nucleus of what was to become what is today a thriving dietary supplement industry. These companies and their products, in some cases, they had names that sounded like the drugs. This is still true today. They're packaged to look like the drugs. And almost universally, they're advertised to work like the drugs to a generation of 15 year olds way back when that was reading magazines, which were the primary source of information who, who wouldn't want legal steroids, right? I mean, that's the ideal by the 1980s. There were enough products to line the shelves of small supplement health food stores, not like they are today, but, but still, you know, a a fair number of products Hoffman by that time, he was long out of the game. Uh, The big war seemed to be between twin lab and and weeder. Anybody who was anybody was using a weight gainer. (laughs) Uh, Milk and egg protein was out there. Various oddball items like dibent and frac, ferulic acid and boron. they, They all came and went. Cybergenics at one point was kind of a dark horse. They took the market by storm. They were the new kid on the block and they were selling tons of what they called importantly enough, a steroid replacement kit. So if you were, if you were a kid though, during these years, it wasn't all bad because I can remember hearing, I can remember hearing about steroids even as early as 15 when I started, but with so many allegedly powerful over the counter supplements who needs it. Right. Right. I mean, to, to me, there was always something new to try and, you know, something new to pin your hopes on. And this is true today still of the psychology of buying supplements. So if you paid $100 for a Cybergenics Complete Bodybuilding Steroid Replacement Kit, you can be damn sure you're going to bust tail to make sure you got something out of it. And that that was probably the value in it, right? Because all of a sudden it made you dedicated, right? Absolutely. And so so none of them really worked as advertised, but um, they did keep me busy <laughs> and intrigued enough to stay away from anabolics. So I, I guess it wasn't all bad. The 90s were really the decade where products that truly worked came out. I can recall creatine monohydrate from California Body Club. That was even before EAS's phosphagen. 80 bucks for a 100-gram bottle, but it did something, right? That much you could feel. Dimetadrine, you know, 25, right? That was ephedrine hydrochloride, which went on to become one of my major food groups. But, (laughs) But nonetheless, the stuff worked, and you knew it, believe me, after you took it. Whey protein hit the market. That was new, and it was a big step up in most cases from other proteins of the day. And then you had things like retabol and tribulus, um, which were kind of these mysterious compounds from Russia and Bulgaria, respectively, that that created a buzz because there was, there was something to it. You could feel it. It wasn't a steroid-like effect, but it was something. So much so, they are still around today. So the number and pace at which these breakthroughs were coming during the 90s was dizzying until... HMB came out, which was said to "quote unquote" feel like Deca, and this is coming from the man Phillips. This is coming from the man who introduced creatine, right? At least on a wide scale, on a broad scale, and needless to say, HMB didn't work like that, and the bottom kind of fell out of the industry. And by that I mean nothing much after that came out that actually worked. Which brings us to circa 1996, I think, when the very first pro-hormones, those being DHEA and androstenedione, came out. Neither of them did much, in my, certainly in my estimation. But the industry kept plugging away, and soon there were honest-to-goodness steroids on the market. You remember that? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. this is the, this is sometimes referred to as the second steroid golden age. And, you know, if you missed it, I guess I feel sorry for you. It was fun. It was fun. Was happening. Um, but then, of course, the government banned them, and it was back to chain amino acids and pre-workouts, mm-hmm. which to this day are nothing more than, you know, dressed up powdered caffeine in these freeze-pop flavors and colorful labels, and people keep buying them, which brings me to really the topic at hand today, SARMs. SARMs, Selective Androgen Receptor Modulators, originally sounded great. All of the benefits of steroids with none of the sides, except until just recently, none of them worked. And I mean none of them. Or if they did and you felt a little something, um, they actually caused shutdown. And, which, know, they were, which
1: they were purported not to. When the first psalm was introduced, they said, and no HPT axis disruption. So your body keeps producing all the testosterone it, it, it needs. And that was the furthest from the truth.
0: Yep, and the same was true in, in some cases of your blood lipids, right, and liver enzymes, and, and many of the other normal steroid side effects. The only good news I think, is that there are now one or two which actually do work.
1: Yeah, like LGD uh, something, something. Yeah, I've heard good things true, about yeah. that. I've heard that uh, taking that in conjunction with, you know, some other things, like you can really ramp up your response in a cycle.
0: Right. However, uh, and I now have to bring you the bad news. The There was a law enacted recently in effect as of January 1st in China which... <laughs> uh, is going to put an end to the party at least for a while, um, because and there's another bill until United- until
1: another country picks up manufacturing it, right? So China, China, China did this once before when we had the Olympics here in the United States, uh, the Winter Olympics in the in the Northwest. Uh, our government put a lot of pressure on China to stop the outflow of growth hormone, and it stopped. And I actually had Anthony Roberts on the show because the the, the, the black market on growth hormone just disappeared and that's because the Chinese government was killing killing people who were like exporting growth hormone illegally to the United States that's how they stop things they start killing people but but sure enough Anthony and I talked about it you know once the Olympics left here the American government stopped putting pressure on them the death stopped and people just took places in those factories and started selling again and now you can get growth hormone again into the United States from China
0: Right. So, so the combination of these two things—the law that's taken effect already in China, and a bill specifically naming SARMs and classifying them in the same category as anabolics—which will be soon in the in the in the U.S. Senate and which is almost sure to pass because it's a softball issue—is going to conspire to make to make things kind of miserable for a while now. I have the inside story of what's going on, both in terms of what's going on in China and the U.S. in the upcoming February bulletin. So readers are going to know what's going on, which products are going bye-bye, which might still be around, um, and which ones to possibly stock up on. Instructions, too, on what to do with that stash, given these things are being put into Schedule 3, um, which brings them into the same class as anabolic steroids. So where do we go from here? It is, it's is—it's tough to say. China is effectively shutting down all production. Uh, the, the, the law reads the shutting down the production, the importation, the export of all natural farms, peptides, and other specialty chemicals, right, that we've all been so far. Now,
1: now you're going to find out which peptide Places really make their peptides in the United States, or, or, or manufacture their own peptides. Because very shortly, all those uh, our peptides are made in the United States, but they're really not. They're buying them from China. They're just going to go by by the wayside. <laughs> Watch.
0: But think about what the politicians have done here mm. again. Criminalize av- something
1: that doesn't deserve to be criminalized.
0: Right, your average consumer now now realizes. Um, That nothing legal works like steroids or like they want it to. And the only compounds that came close, which were peptides and SARMs, are now in the same criminal criminal category as anabolics. So if you're going to take the risk then, and a lot of people still will, then you might as well order up and use the genuine article, right? Not these SARMs and and other stuff. Um, Now, you'd think our elected officials would know this. Uh, Either either they're that dense and they don't, or they do and they just don't care. It's a soft, from my perspective, it's a softball issue. They can go back home to their constituents and say, look, I saved the children, (laughs) right? And then they'll light up a cigarette, drive home, eat dinner, and wash down some opioid painkillers with their scotch. Right, right. <laughs> that's, right. That's ex- right. That's exactly how it works in a lot of cases. Um, it is all in a good day's work for our elected officials yeah. who have done yeah. nothing for the American people but enrich themselves and their families for generations. Yeah. And if you don't believe that, pay attention sometimes Ooh. to what goes on in U.S. Congress. You're, it's going to make you sick.
1: Man, we need term. We say. need term limits. Um, yeah. D- Danny Giraldo uh, Okendo uh, <coughs> makes a point, and I want to. I want to make sure that we're not stuck in semantics, right? So, the compound called one test sip or dihydroboldenone sip, but it's not the same thing as testosterone or EQ. So, dihydroboldenone is a downstream metabolite of boldenone undeclinate. Boldenone undeclinate is equipoise. Now, if you can't find boldenone that's legit, you're definitely not going to find dihydroboldenone. Unless you have a doctor prescribing it, excuse me, and a compounding pharmacist making it. So I really think we're splitting hairs here. So if you get real boldenone, you don't need the dihydro. Boldenone sipionate because real boldenone will convert to dihydroboldenone. I think it uses the same 5-alpha reductase uh, pathway that testosterone converts to DHT, dihydrotestosterone. But it's a it, 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 di, it, uh, dihydroboldenone is a downstream metabolite of boldenone undeclinate. Boldenone yeah. undeclinate is equipoise. Um, so we're, we're kind of um, splitting hairs here, but but it's it's a non-starter because the possibility of you getting real boldenone from a UG is rare. Uh, there was a, there was a, I want to mm. say Dr. De Pasquale did this a long, long time ago, where they bought gear off the internet. They tested it for two things. They tested it for uh, whether or not it was what it was labeled, the potency, and the possible, uh, uh, possible contamination. And they found several of them where the stoppers actually had mold on them, uh, but. But he he, he he showed that people are buying exotic stuff. They thought, they were, oh, this is Winstroll. No, it's Test Sip. Oh, this is Boldenone. No, it's Test Sip. Uh, so so again, it's a non-starter discussion because getting actual dihydroboldenone cipionate is harder than getting real boldenone, which converts to dihydroboldenone. And 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 ninety percent of that stuff just isn't legit. It just isn't, Danny.
0: So, yeah, like I said, unless
1: you're getting it prescribed to a doctor and getting it from a reliable source, different story. Different story.
0: Yeah, and doesn't doesn't Bill and make an at-home diagnostic, like, what is it, ROID test? ROID test, yeah. 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 I, I don't know
1: how it works. I don't know how reliable it is. But, yes, you're right. You're right.
0: So, look, if I was going that route, then maybe that's what i do. But, um, in any case, that is the state of the supplement industry in January 2020. So, look. The landscape, once again, is shifting with another broad-scale ban, both in the United States and China. I think you're 100% right, Carl. Um, once China shuts down production, there'll just be another country that picks it up. Look, look, it up. look,
1: look, look. The United States government is stupid. So what happened with alcohol prohibition? As long as <laughs> there's a market, there'll be someone willing to fill the market. That's yep. the bottom line. The drug... the, the, the it, the, the war on drugs never worked. We got all the cocaine and heroin and weed. While well, weed is legal in most a lot of states now, but we have all the recreational drugs we could ever wish for on the streets. And this government has been fighting the war on drugs and investing billions of tax dollars with zero impact on the availability of recreational drugs. Do you really think the the only thing that may dry up the SARMs market? Is the reluctance to buy them when you can get real testosterone a lot cheaper?
0: There you go. You know and, and it, the,
1: it, the market will dry up before the supply dries up.
0: Right, and so in you know in January of the year 2020, it is absolutely maddening in my mind that Congress once again is talking about, hey, we got a big drug problem. Let's put guys that want to add fifty pounds to their bench press in prison. You know, I mean, come on. It's just beyond stupid. But, bo- but uh, boob implants are
1: legit. Uh, facelifts are legit. All that cosmetic surgery that puts people at great risk. Kanye West's mother died getting liposuction. That's okay. That's yeah. all cool. Just don't, it, it, I'm telling you, uh, for some reason, muscle is a scary thing to the government. And isn't it interesting that guns are scary to them, too? People possessing muscle and guns scary to the government. What what government would be afraid of people being stronger, more muscular, and having guns? Except one that maybe wants to imply impose some sort of tyranny on their population.
0: That is a great point. And in fact, if you read the SARMs legislation closely, do you know what the great sin is? Is mentioned as the trigger for for criminalizing these things. The great sin. Is building muscle. It literally says things that build muscle in there are, you know, oh, what bad. Going-
1: bad. We don't want strong. Yeah. We don't want strong, well armed legal citizens. We we want to give all the power to the criminals. That's what we want to do.
0: Yeah, yeah the, whole, the, the whole world's upside down. But look, that's where it is. Uh, it's it probably it's not going to be static, but that, it's going to be here for a little while. Until the market figures it out. And I'm confident that it probably will. So tomorrow I've got Joel Green
1: coming back on. He just published a fantastic book about how to hack your body into a younger self. Great. Uh, So uh, in 2007, I had Dr. Mark McCarty on the show. We talked about the first human intermittent fasting study. It was actually done in Mexico. And Dr. Mark McCarty was the guy who led the charge and wrote the paper. So in 2007, we started to tell people about the value of intermittent fasting or time-restricted feeding, Um, eight-hour feeding window, uh, 16-hour non-fasting window. And Dr. Oz went on. Uh, TV this morning. He's making his rounds that he wants to do away with breakfast for 2020 because you don't need breakfast. And he's rattling on. He's talking about intermittent fasting and he's got a new program that he's going to get people on and all this. He's such a shill. But he's a little late to the party. But then again, the audience he re- reaches, they, they they have no interest in real health and, and uh, physical stature. So, oh, we're going to we'll skip breakfast. Yeah, skip breakfast. So, Tomorrow we're going to flip the script, and Joel Green's going to come on and explain to you why continuous intermittent fasting is a horrible idea. In fact, it's probably shooting down the results you're looking for. Yeah. And just like just like continuous being in a continuous ketogenic state is, I, I got a good friend. He's a beast. I'm I'm not saying this like, he's a beast. The guy is like uh, he—he's—he's—he's he's, uh, he's like a, a Nordic god. He's so strong. He's got—he—he he played pro football. Uh, he was going to play pro football, and he destroyed his knee. So he's been going through horrible anxiety attacks lately. Unbearable. He's been on the ketogenic diet for six years now. Uh, He—I I told him I said. He goes, I I have such bad anxiety. It's freaking me out. I can't deal with it. He's a man. This guy's in his 40s. I said to him, have you checked your blood sugar yet? He goes, no. He goes, I'm always in ketosis. And I said, "Uh, start eating carbs. Just start eating carbs. He started eating carbs, and all of a sudden, he's feeling better. His blood sugar and his ketones were very, very low when he was in an anxiety state. He says says to me, how could this be? I I eat keto. I mean, I'm so – no, because we talked about it on this show with Joel Green. It's a bad idea to be in ketosis all the time. But now we've got all these idiots out there, you know, challenging. Well, what's your ketone level? What's your ketone level? It's like a pissing contest with some – look, diet is not a choice, We evolved for two and a half million years eating a certain way. And now all of a sudden we, oh, I'm going to be vegan. Oh, I'm going to be keto. No, no, it doesn't work that way. The body doesn't like that. And so tomorrow we're going to flip the script. And I predict there's going to be a lot of people saying that we're wrong. But a few years from now, then it's going to come out that that's the way to eat. And everybody's going to get on the bandwagon. And they're going to forget we talked about it years before. So you're going to want to tune in if nutrition and health and performance and longevity are important to you, all in that cluster, all those all those things, then you're going to want to tune in tomorrow when I have Joel Green on the show because we're going to flip the script just like I've been doing for a decade now. Uh, we're going to change the discussion again.
0: Great. Sounds like a great show. It's going to
1: be a great show. All right, listen, Rob, thanks so much. Visit CoachRobRegish.com <laughs> often and make your gains keep happening. We'll see you tomorrow with more Superhuman Radio. Thank you for the live audience that tuned in on Facebook for all the wonderful questions. We'll see you tomorrow.